tonight. Um, if you have your Bibles, grab those. John 15. Um, but as you're turning there, that, that's fitting. Um, we're we're going to be in John 15 this morning, but a, a good reminder. Uh, as I was sitting there this morning, I got a text um, uh, about Mike Bell. Um, and so I'm going to read it to you real quick. And then I think maybe just something good for us to do. Church, just pray for a minute. Um, uh, so it said this. This is Miss Judy. It says, uh, Dad went backwards last night. Critical care nurse was called and woke me up this morning. It's not looking very hopeful. They're basically trying to get him comfortable right now. Doctors seem to think it was okay for me to go to, to him as long as I wear a mask. Um, I'm going there later. We'll keep you posted. Um, so I'm, I just want to ask us for a moment, before we look at any word, before we jump in anything, um, if we would just go on behalf of, of Mike and Judy this morning, and you would join me as we pray. Um, like I said, man, just a man of God, just some of the sweetest, sweetest people you'll ever meet. Um, I don't know how long you've been around, but like I said, they used to always sit here, and she would play the piano for us some, and, um, and just, just salt-of-the-earth type people. And so uh, just on their behalf, if you would join me this morning as we just, we just pray. And so I'm just going to let us sit here in silence for a moment because I want prayer not to be something that you listen to one person do, but that's something that we do as a family is practice and jump in and participate in. So I'm going to ask you, Mike Bell is his name. And if you don't even know him, God knows um, and can move. And so just ask, uh, just intercede on his behalf uh, this morning. So I'm going to ask you if you'd join me as we pray, and then I'll, I'll close this out. Father, this morning we just, um, we just ask that you would move on behalf of Mike and Judy. Um, God, that you would heal. Um, God, regardless of where people fall with this virus or the thoughts out there, God, it, it's real and it affects everybody differently. And we've got a dear brother right now that's fighting for his life. Uh, and so, Jesus, we just want to ask you to intervene in, in, in a real way. Um, God, just sweet, sweet people here that we're talking about, people that love you and seek after you. Uh, and so, Father, we just, we just ask, Lord, that you would step in in a real way and that you would put your arms around them. God, I can't imagine, God, just the, the worry and the panic that would be in Miss Judy's heart right now, the love of her life at the, the cusp of death. And so, Father, we just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be in her life and be for her, God, in this moment, all that she needs. And Father, for Mike, God, we just ask, Lord, that you would just step in in a real way, Father God, and that you would just heal there. Oh, God, that, that, that's what we're praying for, God, that you would, if, if it's medicine, if it's whatever it may be, whatever, whatever you need to do, Father, but that you would step in, God, and heal his sick body from this virus. God, open up those lungs and allow him to be able to breathe, Father God. We, we pray that, Lord Jesus, that you would just move in a mighty, mighty way in his life this morning. Oh, Father, we know what your word says for the saint, for the believer, what eternity will be like. And so, God, if, if that's the direction you see fit to go, Father, help us here. God, help us here land at that place and rest in that. For Miss Judy, God, I can't, I can't even imagine what she's going through. But, Father, we do. We pray that you intervene in a mighty, mighty way. And, God, we pray that your will be done in this. God, that your glory be made known at all costs. Father, we love this family. We thank you for these, these sweet people that have played a huge role. As we celebrate 14 years this morning that have played a huge role even in those 14 years of being here, though they're not with us now. Father, as he pastors a church, God, even for his church family there, Lord, as he's pastoring, God, we just, we just pray you move in a mighty way. 
God, that you would just heal. That's what we're asking for is for healing. God, all for your glory and your great name. So we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, we just never want to be too planned out and programmed out that we can't just stop in a moment's notice and seek the Lord and whatever he leads us in. And so, I mean, I just, just want to encourage you to be, please be praying for that family um, and what, what God would do in, in that, in the life there of, of that sweet, sweet family. And so, uh, John 15 is where we'll be here shortly. Um, and so for 14 years, that's what we're celebrating this morning. And so I want to encourage you. I don't know who has plans, but I want to encourage you to please stay and eat with us. Um, we've done some social distancing things back there. We're going to serve with masks and gloves, but um, we're going to have a lot of food. And, and so if you can't stay, take it to go box um, on us, please. Happy 14. But um, uh, we, we just, we're going to celebrate the best we can and do some things like that. And, and so for us, we're excited to see what God's going to do in the next 14 years. In the next 15, in the next 50, in the next 100, what, what God has for us as we seek Him. And so, man, He's just stern in our hearts this year. I mean, it's been a crazy year, has it not? 2020. Now, we're looking forward to, to 2021 and what He has for us there, all the while living out the rest of 2020 and trying to be obedient and following Him. And so, um, as you'll see in the budget, one of the things that just kind of really just geeks me up and gets me excited is that we're going from 11,000 to 22,000 emissions. Yeah, where does that come from? That's exactly right. I mean, we're saying that we want to put our money where our mouth's at, and we want to reach this community, and we want to invest in our finances to do that. And so we've got some ideas for this coming year and things like that. And so just as we continue to pray and seek the Lord to see what he'll have for us and what he'll do in this community through us. And so we're, we're excited, man, to be able to celebrate that. And so this morning, just to kind of, kind of give you a little bit of background of what's happened, I was praying and seeking this week, and I, I mean, I had, I had a, what I thought was like just a, a jam-up sermon for you this morning. And then God put the brakes on that. And he says, Scott, that'll be a good one some other time. Let's go this direction this morning. And so I just couldn't get away from John 15. And, and, like, like, and like, you know how you have that conversation with God sometimes? Like, you know what's best. But God, like, they really need this. And he just reminds me that he's the sovereign of the universe. He's like, you think they need this, but, but Scott, you need this. Forget about them. So, so this morning, if no one gets a thing out of this, if no one, what God has done in my heart is to get me to this place this morning, knowing good and well that I am in desperate need of this. And, and I would even begin to think that probably there's more of us in this room that's at this place too that needs this, that, that needs to hear what, what he has to say through his word. And so my hope for us this morning is that God would, in his love and in his mercy, by way of the Holy Spirit, just draw us all the more to himself. And get us to that place where we just stay in Him. Where we just rest in Him. Where we're just found in Him constantly. So this is just the scripture that I've battled with this week. This is just the scripture that I just couldn't shake, couldn't get off of my heart. And so we're going to dive in here in just a moment. But what happens is in John chapter 13, Jesus is going to give this series of, of farewell addresses that's going to continue up through chapter 17. And he knows, he, he, knows, he knows that it's going to end for Him on the cross very, very soon. And he's in the middle of all this, and then what he does is he graciously reminds his disciples of some things. And I believe it's something that will be very, very beneficial for us this morning. So this is what he says, John 15, starting in verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And so Jesus makes this very bold claim of what? That he is the true vine, which would make any other vine what? False, not true, fake. And so in this moment, as Jesus says this, as he speaks these words, the hearers would understand and they would make this connection to Jesus as claiming to be the Messiah. These aren't 
light words. These are very weighty, heavy words. And so the fulfillment of this covenant that's been promised in the Old Testament, and it references numerous times this thought of a vineyard. So as Jesus makes this claim of being the true vine, their minds and their hearts are going to go back to Old Testament. They're going to think of Jesus being, uh, being that true vine, what that means, the weight of that, this thought of vineyard. And so what I know in life is this, is that there's a lot of stuff out there that claims and promises life to us. There's a ton of stuff out there that claims to be true, that claims to be good, that claims to be right. But what we see from the scriptures is this, is that Jesus is the only true vine. That, that Jesus is the only source of life. That Jesus is the only Messiah, the only Redeemer, the only Rescuer, the only Savior. That it's only in Jesus can we truly find life. And so he's talking about being the branch. And in that branch there is going to be life being connected to him. And so what I want you to get is, is what Jesus is saying. I want you to understand and, and just really just hold on to this. That he is making this bold claim of being God. That's what Jesus is saying. Because there's so much stuff in our world and in our culture that tries to get us to believe that's going to give us life. That's going to try to get us to believe that's going to fulfill us or, or, or bring us joy. And so just, just a few to just kind of uh, throw out there. Money. Money is a thing that, that, that makes all of these promises that if you just have enough, that if you can just get out of debt, if you can just uh, uh, not have any financial worries or any financial burdens, or you just have the more money you have, the better off you'll be, and that will give you life, and that will sustain you, and that will give you vitality. Only to find out that it will leave you empty. And what money does is money exposes all the more, does it not? Money exposes all the more. Maybe another, another thing that promises to give life, if you're single and you're, you're looking for a spouse... And so, so you're on this look and you're on this search. And you're like, okay, well, if I, if I can just find the one, if I can just get that person. And all of us married people are like, ah, brother, but sister, be careful. Because that's a promise that will never, ever fulfill itself, will it? And I love my wife immensely. I would die for her. But she makes a crummy God. As well as I make a crummy God for her. I can't give her life. I can't fulfill her. I can't do this Jerry Maguire moment and just, you complete me. It doesn't work that way. Because there's only one that can complete us. And trust me, those of you that know me know that I can't complete that girl, right? As well as her not being able to complete me. There's another thing that, that promises life, that pushes, that pushes, that pushes. If you just have a spouse, if you just are in a relationship, if you just have this, then you'll have life and you'll be fulfilled and there'll be joy. What about kids? Kids is another, another thing that can uh, have this promise. So maybe um, you're in that season of waiting and praying and hoping for, or maybe you have kids and you've seen this, or maybe you've elevated your kids to a level that you should not elevate them to, that they can't sustain and have. But kids are also something that are crummy gods that will leave us empty because I, I'm telling you, just let them get a little bit older. They'll disappoint, they'll let down, they'll frustrate They'll agitate. I mean, they are bundles of joy. But there are seasons, is there not? There are days, is there not? And so the world says, you need this, you need this, you need this. What about success or promotion? That's another thing that promises life, that promises you'll be fulfilled, that promises will give you everything that you think you need. And in all reality, none of the things that I have just mentioned or anything else that we can think of gives life. Only Jesus gives life. They just reveal all the more the one that we need who gives life. Which reminds me of some scriptures, John 14, 6. When Jesus says to them, I am the way, the truth, and what? The life. Jesus, again, claims to be God in the flesh. I am the life. I am the only way. He says, no one can come to the Father except through me. 
And so what we see in Scripture is this thought of Jesus being the true vine, Jesus being the way of life, Jesus being the sustainer, the giver of life. John 10.10 says it like this as well. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that they may have life. Jesus comes to do what? To give life. Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is God in the flesh, but he doesn't stop there. The thing that I love about John 10.10, he says that I've come that they may have life, but they may have it how? More abundantly. So I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at, but I don't want just life. If I can get abundant life, I'm in. Like, I, I want life to the fullest. And so what Jesus will teach through the scriptures and what we see in his word is this, is that there's a way to live, and then there's a way to really live. You just exist living outside of him. But if you want to live with purpose, if you want to live with passion, if you want to live with direction, it's found in the vine. It's found in the one who gives life. It's found in the one who is the source of life. We don't want to just make it and get by. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to just exist. I want to live it to the fullest. I want to have purpose. I want to have fire for the great name of Jesus. I want abundant life. As he says there in John 10, 10, that's what I want. And so the way that we do that first and foremost is relationally through Jesus. It's coming to that point in understanding what he's saying here when he says, I am the true vine. I am God in the flesh. I have come to rescue and redeem fallen mankind. You can't fix yourself. You can't make yourself better. You can't wish it away. You can't try harder. You can't put more stuff in it. Have, have a spouse. Have a this. Have a that. Have money. Have all of this stuff. That leaves you empty, and it's only in me that you find life, is what Jesus proclaims. And so we'll see here in a few minutes how else we accomplish living abundant life. As he goes on in 15.1, he says, And my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus the vine. His Father is the vine dresser. And so a, a, a vine dresser is more than just a mere farmer. He's more than that. Uh, uh, you have grapes and they have this annual crop and the vine dresser uh, of the grapes, he, he remains with them for decades. He, he checks on and he watches and he prunes and he does a work on them. He comes to know each one of those vines personally. Much like a shepherd with sheep. He knows how that vine is faring from year to year, which one is more productive, which one is more vigorous than others. He knows how they respond to special care. He knows their certain needs. And this is the picture that Jesus is painting here. And I'm the true vine. I'm the only way. I am life. But my father is this vine dresser. He's, he's aware of those in me. He's a, aware of what their needs are. He's aware of who I am and what, what my call in life is, is to, to rescue and redeem. He, he knows all of this. And then Jesus makes this claim in verse 2. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Hmm. So why would, why would it not bear fruit? Because it's not a part of the vine. Right? I mean, that vine can only do what? It can only produce the fruit of the vine itself. So if it's grafted in, if it's a part of that vine, then what's going to happen? It's going to produce the fruit of the vine that it's a part of. But, but what Jesus says here is that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The vine dresser takes away. God the Father takes away. It's a picture of that vine dresser getting rid of the dead wood. And so this is a picture of an apostate Christian who never genuinely believed. They've never entered into the transforming life of Christ. They've never, that's never pulsated within them. So what we know to be true in the Scriptures is that the greatest need of every heart, even here in this room, those watching online, is, is, to, is to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be a part of that vine. And so I know the tendency, especially here in the South, right? I mean, we're good old Southern people, and we believe. 
man, we believe. And so we say we believe with our lips, although our heart is far from the reality of what our mouth utters. What has that belief done in your heart? What has that belief done in your life? How has that affected you? How has that transformed you? How has that, what has it done in your life? So, so often what I've seen is someone will walk an aisle, maybe say a little prayer, and then walk away unchanged with no more love or desire or affection for holiness and awareness of sin, no obedience to the Word of God. And what I know is when someone is in the vine, the true vine, man, there is a change. When something goes from death to life, man, when that pulse starts to beat for the glory and honor of God, this world takes notice. They see. So when we come to saving faith in the Lord, it changes absolutely everything. Being a part of that true vine changes everything. It gives us a love for God. It gives us a desire for holiness, an awareness of sin, and obedience to His Word. Would those things categorize your life? Because that's what true salvation looks like. And I'm not saying we're going to knock it out of the park every time. I'm not going to say we're going to execute perfect obedience every time. We're going to struggle from time to time. We're going to have those difficulties. But there's going to be a drawing back by the Holy Spirit to the true vine. And there's going to be a pruning, and we'll see that here in a few moments. And so Jesus goes on in verse 2, and he says this. He says, And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, and he makes it bear more fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so I don't know how, how you read Scripture or, or what it looks like for you, but I know for me sometimes there's, I can just kind of wax over things, or I can just, uh, I've got to be very careful because I'm, uh, I can become very task-oriented. Any task-oriented folks out here? Like, I can become very task-oriented. Okay, did my quiet time, I'm good to go to the next thing. And all the while miss the heart of the Father. And so I don't know how many times I've read this Scripture before, but for whatever reason, this just jumps out at me this week. I mean, have you ever noticed what this verse says? Have you ever really looked at it and saw what Jesus says here? Every branch that does bear fruit, why would you bear fruit? Because you're in the vine. The reason why you're going to bear fruit is because you belong to the, to the vine, right? To the one that produces fruit. You, it would show evidence of a believer. Every branch that does bear fruit, look at, look at what he does. He prunes it, why? So that it may bear more fruit. Ah, I don't know what that does in your heart or what that does in your soul, but man, that, how encouraging is that? And so what that says to me is this, is that God's not out to get you. Okay, God is out to get you, but maybe not the way that you think he's out to get you. Those who bear fruit, what does he do? He still prunes. And so maybe it's not so much that God is mean or so, that God's a, a jerk or God's just trying to ruin your life. Maybe it's one of those things that God is a surgeon uh, specifically cutting away certain areas of life so that there can be better growth, so that there can be more growth. I mean, so that, that whatever you've exchanged, whatever you've thought to be good, that he can replace it with something even better. So maybe it's not that he's out to get you, he's, he's mean or he's heartless. Maybe what he's doing is he's pruning so you can grow more. Have you ever looked at it like that? Have you ever thought of it through, through that way? That, that, that he sees something in your life and what he wants to do is cut away the good so you can get the better. That, that maybe we become satisfied in the moment and the here and the now. And what he wants to do is he, he wants to take away that so that there can be new growth and there can be more fruit bearing that will come as a result of that. So he's gracious in removing, removing that. And so I just love the heart why he does that. Why? So they can bear more fruit. 
And so me, you, us, we have this capacity to produce so much more for him. And as, as a true believer, he's going to do what? He's going to prune us in a way that's going to help us bear all the more. Why? Because he gets glory out of that. And so maybe God taking or removing is God lovingly pruning something for, for a day of something better and greater for his name. And so he goes on in verse 3. He says, already... You are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And then we're going to see the second way to abundant life here. He says this. He says, abide in me. You're in the vine. Now just stay, remain, be in the vine. That's what abide means. Remain, stay, to act, to accept in accordance with a rule or decision or a recommendation. Just, just be in me. Whatever I say, just do it. Just live, just flourish, just, just hang out in this spot. And so some synonyms to this word of abide could be obey, observe, follow, uphold, heed, accept. And so this remaining, this abiding in is evidence that salvation has taken place. And so this is not a stepping into salvation and then stepping out of salvation. We, we don't believe like that here. We don't believe that you can lose your salvation. We believe if someone was in fact actually saved, then the Holy Spirit will convict, the Holy Spirit will, will draw and bring them to a place of repentance. But my fear is that there's a lot of people who think that they're something that they're not. That they think they may be in the vine when truly they're, they're not in the vine. And so my, my, what scares me and keeps me up at night is that there's just way too many people that know a bunch about Jesus, but do they really know him personally? Do they have that relationship behind him? And so the heart here with this abiding is just belonging and staying in the midst, in the middle of who Jesus is. And so he says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Why? Because that's where the sustenance is, right? That's where the source is. That's where nutrients is. That's where everything that we need is right there in the middle of that vine. And you cannot bear fruit by yourself. You just can't, you can't do it. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how great you think you are. I don't care how hard you work, how talented and how gifted you are. The only way that you can bear fruit is by being in the vine. It's only by being in him can you produce. So what's this fruit that he's talking about? See, see, fruit is just the works or deeds. It's godly action. It's a godly character. And, and you can't fake that. I mean, look at this list in Galatians 5. Just listen for a second. Galatians 5, 22 says this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness. That's just not something you can just muster up. That's not just something that you can just try harder to do to accomplish. I mean, I know love is kind of on the forefront nowadays, and that's a big thing that we like to talk about, but I don't really fully think that we understand what, what Jesus means by love. The world defines that much different than we define it. And, and, I, and, and to define it like the world, yeah, we all can do that. Turn a blind eye when it's not appropriate? Sure, okay, yeah, I love you enough to not look that way. Don't hold you accountable like that? Okay, yeah, I love you enough not to do that. You've hurt me. So I'm going to take my love over here and go over here. Yeah, yeah, that's worldly love. No, no, no. Jesus says you're in it to the end no matter what. No matter what you get out of it, no matter what happens, no matter what you get in return. The, the love that Jesus talks about is not a love to benefit you, but to benefit the other. And that's not just something we can just muster up and do, is it? Like we, unless you're a true follower of Jesus and you've been given life by the creator and savior, you can't do that. Love, love, I mean, you can't live out love like that. Joy? Man, and we always talk about this, and we'll talk about this here in a moment, at the very end of this, uh, the verses that we're going to look at. But man, joy is not something that you can just muster up either. I mean, happiness we get. I mean, there's a lot of things that make us happy, okay? We, we get that, and we're for that. And sometimes I think that we shortchange ourselves, and we, uh, uh, we take happiness over true joy so often. 
So joy is a fruit of the Spirit, a work of the Spirit in you that produces this godly action and character. Peace. And it's not just talking about like, peace, can't we all just get along? That's not the peace that it's talking about, but it's talking about inner satisfaction and contentment that's only found in the Savior. That's the peace that Paul's referencing here in Galatians. And then you really want to get crazy. Let's talk about patience. For goodness sakes, that's not something you muster up, is it? It's not something that you pray for either as a believer. Because you know how God delivers on that. He doesn't just like sprinkle like patience on you, does he? No, no, no. He's like, all right, let's get you in some traffic for a little while, big boy. You've got to be somewhere here this time, so you think traffic, car wreck, red light. Somebody taking their Sunday drive on a Tuesday evening. What? I mean, he'll do that to you, will he not? Why? Because he loves us enough to help us get to where we need to be in him. And so those aren't things that you just muster up. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness aren't things that we just muster up. It's only by being in him that we can bear fruit. That's the fruit that we're talking about. And unless we abide in the vine, that fruit is not going to be there. And so what's God do? He's going, to, he's going to prune us and cut us back. Why? So that those can be all the more prevalent in our life. Why? So they can show this world how great he is. Because we, can't, we don't just do that on our own. I don't want to just give out patience for the heck of giving out patience. I don't want to just give love for the heck of giving love. No, I want to do it for a reason and a purpose that's bigger than me, that's greater than me, and it's, and it's for the glory of God. And so he goes on in verse 5 and he says this, this is Jesus, I am the fine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So it's only by being in him that we can produce real fruit, much fruit. I don't want to produce some, I don't want to produce a little, I man, I want to produce much. Why? Because then we can reach more people. And then we can make his name known even more. We can show how great and how uh, amazing and, and glorious he truly is. And then he says this in, in the second part of verse 5. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do what? Nothing. I mean, let, let that sit there for a minute. Let that sink in. So we go from abundant life in Jesus to apart from him, nothing. Man, you can accomplish and you can do in Jesus, being, being connected to and in him, to apart from him, you can do absolutely nothing. And I don't know how great you think you are, I don't know how good you think you are, but, but it's because of God's grace that he allows you, even, even in your silliness of thinking that you can do something apart from him. So this lost world, it's, just, it's common grace is what it is. It's God's grace is poured out even upon the, the, the lost world, whereby he even allows them and lets them be. The world thinks that they can do something apart from him. If he removes that restraint, it's over. It's done. And it's only in Christ that we can do anything. We can have life, abundant life. He says this in verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch, and it withers. And the branches that are gathered are thrown into the fire, and they're burned. And so this imagery here is that of destruction. This is just the reference and the judgment awaiting for those who are never saved. What this is, is Jesus explaining what happened in verse 4 through 6. Those who aren't in him. And so he explains that by not abiding in him, we're just pitiful plants that don't make it. We'll fall off the vine, we'll be cut off, and the roots that, that were never there truly planted. But the fruit of the vine is proof of our faith and a relationship is abiding in him. He goes on verse 7 and says, If you abide in me, my words abide in you. This is huge here. If, if you're in me and my word is in you, he says, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So this is not God being your personal genie in this moment. And so we've got to be careful not to get frustrated at God when he doesn't give us what he's never promised. 
Because we'll take little verses like this. Well, I'm just abiding in him. He says, pray whatever I want to pray and I'm going to get it. Why haven't I got whatever it is that I'm praying for? Why? Because maybe there's something bigger and better. And maybe our perspective is, is, is minute and small and skewed. But the thing that I love is this. is He says this here. If you abide in me and my word abides in you. Church, that's what's great about this. Us being in him and his word being in us, what does it do? It changes our heart to reflect that of him. So my prayers doesn't look like this anymore. God, give me the big house. Give me the car. Give me the, the well-behaved kids. Give me this. Give me that. God, God, do this, 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 and this. God, grant me that. And instead, what it does is it, it covers itself. And God, you do whatever you see fit and need to do for your glory and for your honor. God, help me land at the place that will bring you the most glory. See, that's what happens. And that's how our prayers change when we abide in him and his word abides in us. We start to pray his word. God, save the lost. I mean, that's a heart cry. That's a heart. You want to know if you're abiding in the word? What do your prayers look like? What are you praying for right now? What are you begging God to do right now in your life? And if the driving force behind whatever that prayer is isn't for the glory and honor of God to be made known and the lost world to be saved, then there may be too much of you in that prayer, not enough of God in that prayer. He goes on verse 8 and says this, this is my... Um, by this, my Father is glorified. And so this is a great way to live. God gets glory. So this, we want to take notice of this. How? That you bear much fruit and so to prove to be my disciples. You want to prove to the world that you're the disciples of Jesus? Bear fruit. You've got to be in the vine. And as you're in the vine, what will happen is God will start to work in your life in such a way to produce love, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering. All of those things that we looked at in Galatians 5. And so verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Man, that's another one of those verses. Man, that is so heavy, is it not? Listen to it again, verse 9. As the Father has loved me. Who's the Father loved? Jesus is saying this. So as God the Father has loved Jesus, look at what Jesus says about that. So I have loved you. I mean, think about that for a moment, church. The way that God the Father loves Jesus, what Jesus says is I'm going to love you the same way. Can we just rest in that this morning? I mean, the favor of God on us that way, how that Jesus loves us the way that the Father loves Jesus. I mean, this is phenomenal. Man, if we could just get that, I don't think we get it, but if we could just get this verse in our lifetime. The fact that Jesus loves us the way that God loves Jesus, man, how our whole life would change, how our whole perspective would change. Whatever happens, whatever goes on, whatever takes place, man, man Jesus is just loving me the way that God loves Jesus. And then he says this, abide in my love. He's like, stay there, remain there in my love. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So, so abide, stay, remain, be in. And so I just feel like right now that's what God's just pressing me on in my life. Scott, just abide, be here, just linger. And I don't know why. It's like, and you can probably relate to this just as a follower of Jesus. There's just seasons in your life where there's times that you just feel like you're following more closely. Maybe there's times that you're kind of from a distance following. And maybe there's more anxiousness in your life at certain seasons and less anxiousness in your life in certain seasons. And I don't know why, but I just feel like right now in my life, there's just this, I'm struggling to focus. Like there's just so much stuff going on and there's just so much stuff out there and everywhere and, and it's just for whatever reason in my life right now, it's just, I need to abide. I just need to rest and be there. And, and this really hit me, like hit me really hard when we were at the hospital. 
So, so our, our baby's born at 32 weeks, and he's in the hospital for 28 days, and I get down there, and as soon as I get down there, I'm ready to leave. I love being with a little guy. I love holding him. I love, there's all this, like, binging and dinging and all this crazy stuff going on, and nurses running around everywhere, and people talking over here and doing that over there, and you've got to wash your hands 10 times before you can get in, and you've got to do all of this stuff, and you've got to put on a gown just to even hold him. And I'm just kind of like there in that moment. I can't even focus. Then my phone will go off, or this will happen, or that will take place. And I'm just like, ah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. This is where my wife says, I need medicine, but I've got it in the Holy Spirit, right? And so I just, I don't know why, but in this moment, I just, I kept coming back to this. Scott, I've got you here from, just be here in this moment with me. I just felt like the Holy Spirit is kind of whispering that to my heart. I know you've got plans, and I know you've got desires, and those are cute, and those are nice, but, but, but Scott, I just, I just want you to be here for right now. But God, I don't want to be here. I don't know how you talk to him. That's how I talk to him. I just share it with him because he knows it anyway, right? You can't hide it from him. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He hears those. And so just in that moment, I'm like, but God, I don't want to be here right now. I don't like this. This is not comfortable for me. This is not fun. I don't enjoy it. And, and the whole while, you know, what he, you know what he did? He left us there for 28 days. And don't think I didn't pray hard. Like, okay, we're ready for this cat to get out tomorrow. Okay, God, let's do this thing. Let's go. He said, that's cute. No, you're going to hang out here for a little while. Well, because I need to teach you some stuff. I, I need you to remember to, to, to rely on me fully, man. To be in me fully in this moment of uncomfortableness, in this moment of what you don't like in this, in this season. Just, just, about, just rest for a minute, dude. Breathe. And I just feel like that's just kind of where I'm at right now. And you would think kind of in this season that we're in that it would be a lot easier to just abide, right? I mean, stuff's shut down, stuff's been canceled. We, we, we can't do everything that we used to do. But for whatever reason, I feel like it's just not the case. We're as more anxious as ever. I don't know about you, but even in this season, I mean, I'm fighting even more to try to abide and to be in Jesus and to spend time with God. So we've got to put forth the energy. We've got to put forth the effort. We've got to carve out time to be in Him, to abide in Him, to stay there in that place. And so in this, God has just reminded me, God, just pump the brakes for a second. Man, just, just abide, just be in me for this moment. I've got this. This crazy world we're living in, I've got it. This election coming up, I've got it. This COVID coming up, I've got it. The, the protests that are going on, I've got it. The school, are they going to be in? Are they not going to be in? Scott, I've got it. I mean, I'm the creator of all. Just, just, just be in me right now. And so I just want this to be a natural progression in my life. Where I'm at. This is where I'm at in my day. Constantly thinking about this abiding. That just becomes natural and fluid. That's my hope. So, so some of the things that I've had to do, and it's like, it's so crazy, is it not? Like following Jesus, it's just the fundamentals. That's what it is. That's what it comes back to. I mean, it's not brain surgery. It's not difficult. It's like, if we can just do the small things. My coach would always say that, and I hate it. Boys, if we just do the small things, the big things will fall into place. What does that even mean? I mean, what? But, but it's like, that's the case, is it not? In following Jesus, if we just do the small things, the big things will fall in place. And so what I've noticed in my life in these moments is that I've neglected the small things. Like in Little League, what do you do? You teach your kids what? The fundamentals. And so I've just kind of noticed in my heart that some of these fundamentals are just kind of went to the wayside. That I've kind of neglected or I've kind of overlooked. I mean, my goodness, I've been following for Jesus for 20 years. Do I really need to hold the bat like that? Do I really need to stand like that? Do I really need to do it that way? Absolutely, because if I don't, then everything else will fall apart and it will affect everything else. So, so what Jesus has done is just brought me back to the fundamentals. 
So, so for me, at a personal level, this is what it looks like. The first thing I do in the morning, what I do before I even get out of bed is pray. And, and you don't know how easy it is to neglect that. But for me, what God has spoken to me and said to me, Scott, that when you wake up and, and you don't pray to me before you get up, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I've got this. I don't need you right now. And that's never a good place to be. Never a good place to be. So for me, the first thing I do is I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, I'm going to reach over and I'm going to grab my phone. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull it up and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to look at the verse of the day. Because I want to get God's word in me. And sometimes I do a quiet time in the morning before I get here. Sometimes I do a quiet time when I get here. Sometimes I do a quiet time at night. It, it, just, it just varies. But what I'm going to always do is I'm going to get the verse of the day in my heart. I'm going to be meditating. I'm going to be thinking on that. And I'm going to be chewing on it for a while. And as I periodically go throughout my day, what I'm going to do is I'm going to revisit that. I'm just going to linger in God's word and let his word transform and change me. Because what I've learned is I'm at my best and I have the greatest life in Jesus whenever his word is grounded in me. And when I negate that or whenever I overlook that or whenever I uh, uh, put it to the side for a while, man, I become anxious or I become unruly or I become short or I become snippy or I become a lot of things. None by which of what the fruit of the Spirit talks about. And so I will frequently do that throughout my day, visit His Word and then pray. I'll just, throughout the day, just little moments that I have as I'm driving in, I'll pray. As I'm going to lunch, I'll be praying. I'll just, I'll just be praying and asking God to just direct, to lead. As so I have accountability with a good friend where we talk multiple times through the week and we just, we share our hearts. It's not just, hey, how you doing? How's your team? But it's, it's real talk with another brother. And then I'll supplement also with some stuff by just reading a book that's heavy in Scripture, outside of the Scriptures, because I want to grow and I want to learn. I want to be transformed all the more. And so I'll just read different books that are just submerged in Scripture so that's at a personal level. And then at a family level, what we do is we, we pray. Every morning we pray and we worship. And usually it's to the tune of Toby Mac, real loud, cranked up, coming to 4K. Because I take the little, mayor takes the older. And, and every morning when we get in the car, we're like, all right, but what, what are we praying for this morning? And it can be anything. I don't care what it is. Because I just want to get in the heart of my boy that we need to be praying, that we need to be people dependent upon God. And so we'll, well, because I want him to abide when, when God saves his little soul. And so, so we want to teach that, we want to show that. And, and then the great thing about the school that he goes to, the little, he has, has a verse of the week, and so we'll read that throughout the week, we'll look at that throughout the week. But every morning we're praying and we're worshiping, and it's through the radio, through songs that way, and we'll blare it. It's so, it's so amazing to see your little four-year-old in the back seat just kind of bobbing his head and moving his mouth. I don't know if he's singing it or not, but I'm just believing that that's what he's doing back there, worshiping Jesus. And so we'll get them in the Word. We want them in the Word as well, more than just a verse of the week. And so sometimes, I know I'm a preacher, and it's supposed to, probably this is me sharing my life, right? This is real. Sometimes it'll be a 15 to 20-minute thing because I don't know how um, good you do teaching a Bible lesson. I can get very preachy to my kids, and I want to be very careful not to do that. Meredith is so much better at this than me. I can get real preachy and get, like, some points out of that. Like, all right, let's get saved. Ready for an altar call? Mary, hit, hit, strike up the band. Let's do this. And I've got to be very careful because I don't want to do that. Like, I just want them to just, the word to be fluent in their life. I don't want them to hear it. And I want to try to um, interpret on their level the best that I can and share with them the best that I can on their level. And so sometimes I'll be for 15 or 20 minutes or sometimes, you know what, it's just me telling a story about who Jesus is and what God did in this, in this particular passage. Sometimes it'll be five minutes. Sometimes it'll be 15 or 20. But that's usually what it looks like and it's not even that, we, we do that every night. 
I mean, I don't know about you, and I've, I've felt horrible in the years, but I just haven't had a quiet time. You haven't had a quiet time with your kids every night? No, I haven't. Maybe I should. But man, I, just, I want it to be fluid, and I want it to be real, and I don't want it to be forced. And I'm not saying this is where we punt on that, that we need to have that with our kids. We need to have that with our family. But man, I, I, just, I want it to just kind of present itself, and I want to I lead and be intentional in that. But I want it to present itself. And so that's what it looks like for me. And so what God has done is just brought me back to that place of these fundamentals. And I don't know if it's because of the big pause with, with everything that we're going through in our culture and our world right now, but, but it's one of those things of, uh, i, I got to get back to the basics. i got to get back to this where I'm just abiding, where this is the natural outflow of my life. And then in verse 11, Jesus says this. He says, These things that I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Mm. Church, abiding brings joy, not happiness. Joy. Happiness is fleeting, and it's circumstantial, and it's momentary. Joy is eternal, and it's only found in God. I've spoken as he tells us his why so that his joy may be in us. I mean, think about that for a moment. The fact that you're in him and as a result of being in the true vine, the one and only vine who brings life, who what produces fruit in us. Imagine what that is. It brings joy. And so it's in those times where we're present and abiding, we're refreshed and we experience joy like no other. So there's joy in abiding. And so as the band comes back up, abide means to just stay, remain, just be. And so with that, the first thing is you've you got to have faith. You've got to come to a relationship in Jesus. You have to trust in him because you can only abide if you belong. Remember, if not, then what does he do? He, he cuts away every other branch that doesn't bear fruit. And so I guess my question for you this morning as you're watching online or maybe as you're here in this place, have you ever entered into a relationship with God? How? By way of Jesus. And so maybe for some online or maybe for some in this room this morning, it's God calling you to himself. And it's making Jesus more than just a guy that you know. About making him Lord of your life. Maybe that's what it is. And then the second thing I would encourage you with is this man, fight to abide. Fight to abide. To look for, to make, to live out those moments. This is, this is what I was trying to illustrate for you. This is my ingenuity over here, so no, no, um, these are not for sale later, but if anyone would like to buy it, I will sell it. Um, but I guess as I thought about this, what does this mean to abide, to stay, to remain, to be in? And I think the thing that it reminded me of is, is this, is, is not that I'm going to play this, but, but I, need, I need some worship in my life. And so one of the ways that God accomplishes that is, like I said, is, is through music. So I, mean, I like to turn on the radio, and I like to listen, and I like to reflect, much like we do here on Sunday morning. What, what, what is God saying through those lyrics? What are we proclaiming back to God of, of who He is? I mean, how great is our God? Absolutely. Why? And then I'll just think of those things and ponder on those things as, as I sing these lyrics or as I look at these lyrics. And I want to be careful because I become repetitious if I'm not careful. And then what else do I do? I do this right here. I've got to, I've got to have this to abide. I've got to have the Word. I've got to have the Word of God in my life. So, I, so I'm going to have that with me too. And, and that's going to be prevalent. And that's what's going to drive me all the more. My love for Him, my desire for Him, my yearning for Him, my longing for Him. So I'm going to, I'm going to have His Word. And then something else that I want too is I want this. I want some commentaries. I want to go a little bit deeper. I don't want to just read it to read it. And as I said earlier, I can become very um, programmed to accomplish a task. But man, when I read something, I don't understand it. I really, I really want to open it up and I really want to figure out what in the world does that word mean or what in the world is really happening in that scripture. And I want to allow that to just kind of massage my heart and my soul all the more to Jesus. And so I want something to go a little bit deeper. And then like I said, I mean, I want a book, spiritual leadership right here. I mean, there's tons of books that you can get that are just submerged in Scripture that's going to help you be closer to Jesus. 
So, man, I'm, I'm going to get that. I'm going to read that. I'm going to supplement with that some from time to time. I'm going to look at it. And I may be doing it in the morning. I may do it in the middle of the day. I may do it at night. I mean, there's going to be a lot of prayer with that too. All kinds of stuff. But I want it, I want it to be like this. I mean, I'm just a bite. You can't get to me unless you come through him. And this world can throw at me everything that it wants to, and it can do whatever it wants to do. But in order to get to me, how does it got to come? Through Jesus. Because I'm just abiding, man. I'm over here doing my thing. Hey, out there. I'm just, excuse me while I abide in Jesus for a moment. I'm just going to be in him. You, you want me? Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm in Jesus right now, and I'll, I'll get right back to you if I can shortly. But I'm going to abide in him. And so no matter what comes at me, can't get to me. How? Because it's got to go through Jesus. And what I've found out in my life is I've got to be careful because as a follower of Christ, I've got to be intentional with this. I've got to submit and gladly submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit because what I have found is this, is what I can do is, is I'm abiding in Jesus, doing my thing, uh, uh, but if I'm not careful, something will catch my attention. I'm like, what's over here? And what have I done? I've walked away from the thing I'm abiding in. The thing that brings joy, the, same, the thing that sustains life, the true vine. I don't, I don't need that. I don't want that. I, I, just, I want this right here. I mean, we're going to worship and we're going to make much of and we're going to think about. And, and I'm going to stay in this place here, abiding in Jesus. Because church, it is so sweet to be in that place there in Him. Because hear me, you'll be just like me over the last few months. All this craziness that we see day in and day out wants to pull us away from that. And if we succumb to that, we will feel lost, we will feel panicked, we will feel anxious. And all I know is when I'm in there, man, I am safe, I am warm, I am close. I'm not saying it won't get difficult. I'm not saying that it won't be uncomfortable from time to time. But at the end of the day, I have joy, true joy, that's only found in abiding in Jesus. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what God has spoke to your heart, what you're going through, what you're doing. I don't know if you've been like me over the last few months and you've just been taking your eyes off of the fundamentals and you've stopped abiding from time to time in Jesus. But I want to encourage you this morning, run back to him. And it's as simple as this. It's as simple as acknowledging because when we don't abide in him, that's sin. And it's as simple as acknowledging that and allow the Holy Spirit convict you and to draw you back to him. And then get back with it. Get back with us. I don't know what God's stirring in your heart, but I want you to be obedient this morning. If you want to come pray, you come pray. I'll be here. Tyler's here. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you all the more about what it means to have a relationship in Jesus, what it even means to abide in Him, but you be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit this morning in your life. Father, we love you, Jesus. We need you. Speak this morning in this place. God, thank you so much for this week for me and this simple reminder of getting back to what's most important, and it's just being in you, reminded that I'm in you, that I'm yours that I've been redeemed, that I've been rescued. Father, that you long to bear fruit in me, that you want me to show this world how great and how glorious you truly are. Father, if I would just abide and stay in you and take my eyes off of everything else that may try to lure me away. Jesus, thank you so much. And we pray. Amen. They're going to lead us. You stand. You respond as God leads this morning.